Hello, I'm Matt Price, and this is Conversations with Criminals. This is part two of a conversation that I had with Lee Ryan. And if you haven't listened to part one, please do, because it was just so good, and I enjoyed part two every bit as much. Before I get into it, I do want to say a huge thanks to David Bishop, who designed the new Conversations with Criminals logo, and I'm absolutely just delighted with it. And of course, the people of Facebook commented as well and said how great it was. So a big shout out to him and a big thank you to him. His website is drvinylcustoms.com. And I don't know about you, but I think a graphic design company that calls itself Dr. Vinyl Customs is, I, I think it's the coolest name I've heard. So back to Lee Ryan, the lotto lag as the press called him. I prefer to think of him as the spiritual billionaire. That's what he says he is now. And in today's episode, part two, we do talk about about money, about the meaning of money. We talk about the very real threats to his family. We talk about how he lost his money as well. And then years later, Lee was homeless. And he talks about that, choosing to be homeless for five years and gives an insight into the homeless community that I found so interesting. And last but not least, we talk about why he still plays the lottery. And I ask him what his plans for the future are. This is Lee Ryan, part two. We were we were talking about, about you being in jail mm. and people making assumptions about, you know... <sighs> and being sort of threatening and etc. So you get out of jail mm. and you've got still 6.5 million pounds in the bank. Yeah. Cause the money obviously accrued in yeah. and stuff, even though we made some purchases, we bought the big house for instance. Where did you buy the house? That Osberston was a- near market Bosworth. Okay. Now yeah. one of the things I'm really curious about is this. You've already sort of touched on the fact that the judge would have thought, hang on, there's this mixed yeah. this mixed yeah. race dude who's got money and I'm resentful. Yeah. Was that like quite was it a, a wealthy area? Oh yeah, it's a hamlet really, very okay. expensive. What were the neighbours like? Would they have looked at you They're the horsey set, you know, that time. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. hors d'oeuvres and all this kind of thing. Right. And the, uh, fox hunters. Yeah, no, but fox you're hunting. good with people though. You could mix I'm with good those with people, people and my excuse is um, not to make any excuses. I bought this house. I'm as good as anybody else. I don't look down on people and I don't sure. look up to people, right. to be honest with you. Okay. There's nobody better or worse than me. We're all yeah. human mistakes, if you think about it. Right? Sure. We all have to deal with our own thing. And I believe in karma a lot. Absolutely. So I wasn't going to make any justifiable... If, if people were going to be nice to me on that lane, you know, because we had the biggest house on the lane, to be fair. Right, okay. Um, they are going to be nice. And if they were going to be horrible, they'd get the same back. It'd be the mirror. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and there were some people I got on well with, very well with, um, and some people that are complete assholes. I remember when the, the fox hunting guys came and they rang the buzzer on the bottom of the driveway, and said, uh, "Would like permission to jump the fences on the horses for the foxes." I said, uh, "You jump the fucking fence with your horses, and I'll shoot the horses, mate." Right. Okay. I'm against fox hunting. Okay. Yeah. yeah but Mr. Blob, prior to you, you saw. I said, "Yeah, that was Mr. Blob. That was then, not now." Okay. Do not fucking jump our fences with your horses, please, or you'll have dead horses. And I'm not. I'm against killing animals and stuff yeah. like that. But you're coming off the horse. Okay. And they. So obviously there was that thing. There was a, you know, the dichotomy there that we didn't mix with the with that set. Yeah, I'm completely against all that, which is weird, isn't it? Because as a thief, you're you're cruel in other ways. If you know what I mean. You see yeah. what I'm saying? But oh, yeah. cruelty to animals was not my bag. But 
but I didn't have to blend in with anybody because we were it was our own setup there. We were in our own little land. Yeah. You know what I mean, had the helicopter, the hangar, the everything else, the tennis court, swimming pool. Didn't need that. Was your own little bubble. And who who? So then, who were your friends at that point? My friends would have been well criminals, I suppose. That's the only people I knew. But yeah. I tried to move away from that because I thought this is my chance not to be that you know what I mean sure and I had loads of propositions people would say to me Lee you know uh, 200,000 pounds brings a, a, a container of stuff in yeah? yeah and it's hit and miss if it comes through or not but if it does it's worth 2 million I said listen to the other guy Lee his name was I said um, I know, mate I'm not into it I'm not into anything to do with drugs or anything at all or crime I don't need it and I don't you know yeah. I want nothing absolutely that was my chance to turn my back on it but other people might not have done. They might have used their money to invest in more, you know what I mean, in other criminal ways. So oh, yeah. I wanted well away from it. That was my chance. The only thing that the wind did for me was to stop me doing a life sentence. I'm 100% sure of that. Was it... Because I'm trying to put myself in your shoes here. Was it Was it lonely? Because... What? Be, well, because you've got the posh neighbours who I think... No, not lonely at all. I'm very insular in my own way. Okay. I come out right. when I want to. And even sure. if I'm in a crowd of people, I can be insular. Do you know what I mean? Okay. I don't have to yeah. get... In, I don't have to be the life and soul right. of anything. I'm not that. Okay. So, no, I don't need people. But I am a people person if I want to be. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Okay. And even, you know, the idiosyncrasies of people and, and the differences, I look at them and I think, well, I've got my own idiosyncrasies as well and hang-ups and stuff. Yeah, so why well, should I be so judgmental about it? Yeah. But I've noticed of late that when I figure my own quirks out, I see the quirks in everybody else. Everybody's quirky. Everybody's got something not quite wired right. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the way we might be OCD in one way or yeah. this in another way or, or completely opposite to OCD, completely dirty little bastards. You know what I mean? Yeah. You get that. Yeah. But everybody's got their own little thing. Yeah. And I find it quite easy to exploit. Not exploit, but to see that. And to try and understand what that is. I've got a friend I go out for a coffee every three weeks or so. She's a writer. She's going to write a major script. I won't even talk about it now, but it's yeah. coming. Oh, it's, it's a big screen one as well. And I remember her nerves and her um, how she's fretting about it and how she would how she's done it. Is she actually manifested it and, and written it. And now she's got to the point where it's going for funding in Abu Dhabi. So it's right there now. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And she's on the cusp of it all. And we're talking millions when she, when she does this film. It's a, yeah. it's a film that needs to be done. And she's all depressed and everything else. And she's got, fuck all, she's got no money. <laughs> you know, these writers don't, do they? Yeah. Until they make the big one. But I said, this is the time you should be enjoying that, that yeah. journey. Because this is the most interesting part of that transition is the interesting part of the journey. Once you've got what you want, then it's almost like the thrill's gone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's like that, really. Wow. So, you could have progressed in crime. And, and it's so no, interesting. No, I would have done there was no coming back from that. Once you get mixed up in that fraternity, then it's an ego thing. You mate saying, oh, you got no bollocks anymore. We're going out on, a, on this job and that job and we need a gun or whatever. Yeah. And then what, you're putting it on me. I've got no bollocks. We went out on all these other things. What the hell are you talking about? It's not like I've got no bottle. Right. But you see, the thing is, you might not necessarily want to do it. And, and the more you do it, the more you know that one day you're going to come unstuck and that police car is going to come the wrong way where you are. Do you know what I mean? And then there's a confrontation going to happen. And uh, it's it's not going to be my surrender kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So I breathed a sigh of relief that that's what happened, and that's the only thing that got me out of it. I didn't have the wherewithal or the uh, um, the how can you say the the thingy inside me to stop where I was going. It was almost like a fatalistic sort of thing, but I wanted that to happen in some regards. Sort of like a suicide by cop type of scenario almost. 
you know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. I think I can understand. Without, I think I can understand without making it obvious, you know what I mean? I, I, wouldn't, I didn't give a fuck. I had a death wish as well, so I didn't really care about anything. Right. And that was really dangerous. Really dangerous. It's something I had no control over. And I, I guess when you're immersed in it, you'll know yourself when you're immersed in something. You don't see it. It might take other people to point that out to you that right. something's not right about you. Do you know what I mean? This is, this, you're going too far or something like that. But you become darker. And I'm more insular as well, because obviously by the nature of the things you're doing, you have to be more secretive about it. Um, it's, it's horrible. And, and basically what I was striving for was the same thing that happened by supposed happenstance, the money, the win. And when that came, when I got to know what that is and what the illusion is, that money is, you know what I mean? It's all an illusion anyway. That hurt me a bit in terms of I thought, shit. So I was ready to kill if necessary for that. You know, if we were doing jobs and a policeman came and we've got a weapon, he's going to get it. There's no doubt about it. So I was prepared to do that in order to attain that. The same thing that I got for a pound steak or whatever. That didn't work for me because every time I bought something to try and get out of my depression in, in terms of um, fighting your own internal demons, every time I bought something, it was like a junkie. The more you have the fix, the more you want the fix. So I could buy anything, but it wouldn't last for long. It would it rub off because I'm thinking, shit. This is all superficial, really, for what it is. So, can you tell me what you spent your money on? Because obviously, the press said, "Oh, you bought a helicopter." Well, first, you got a big family, right? So you give the family little, you know, wedges of money here and there, and stuff. You help the family out and stuff like that. Then you got friends, and you got people that have approached you, and they have sad cases. So I'm not that person that can't help. Right. I would always help somebody out, yeah. even back in the day. In fact, a Christmas or so before the win, you know, I gave somebody my last twenty pound, and me and the missus had an argument. It was a Christmas. That's all I had. And she said, we haven't even got a Christmas tree. So, oh, fuck's sake. That's all you're worried about. The guy's homeless, look. So, it's not her fault, but I walked into Woolworths and just picked one up in a box and walked out without paying. And she ran. She's nothing to do with crime. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I just picked it up. Fuck, here's your Christmas tree. Do you know what I mean? Your tinselly bullshit. And she ran off. It was like crying. But I help people then, so I don't have a problem with it. And people say, yeah, you spent all your money, pissed it on the wall. I said, listen, mate, you've never had two bob to rub together. Don't you be fucking judging me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And if I haven't got any money, it doesn't make me feel poorer than anybody else. In fact, I'm a spiritual billionaire now. I don't need it. If I want something, I'll make it happen somehow. Trust me, and it always happens like that. I love that phrase, spiritual billionaire. Yeah. I don't need the physical cash. It's bollocks. It's all. Yeah. I had 6,527,880 illusions. That's what I call them. Right. It's all an illusion. But what I got for that pound steak, if you think about it, was... a shitload of memories and, and experiences that you could never pay for to be honest with you oh yeah yeah and, okay. and you can never explain you, you know yourself you know in, even if you travel that's probably the best way to ever spend your money is the memories you get from traveling yes the best memory i have of a ferrari is the fucking photograph of it it's the easiest thing to maintain you don't have to polish it don't have to you know <laughs> garage it you know yeah. change the tires on it no that'll do been there mate yeah am i right in saying once again referring to various articles mm. and stuff that that the, there were elements of the criminal fraternity who, when you were out of jail mm. and you're living in this really nice place mm. and you've got your money and you're known, mm. and that who were threatening? Not really, but there was obviously, um, while I was inside, yeah, no, prior to going inside, I heard on the rumour mill, because every little city has its mafia of sorts, you know what I mean? Okay. Involved in crime and, and darker stuff. Usually, it usually evolves. It works around doormen for some reason. I don't know what it is. They're they're they're, they're on their sort of cusp of all the crime that goes off. You know what I mean? By very nature of the drugs and patronage to their clubs and this and that, they know who's who. Okay. Faces. Sure. Um, so I heard on the great from a very um, 
good source actually, a doorman himself. Came up and had a word with me when I was out clubbing one night and said, Lee, be careful you're being watched. And he dropped a few names and a few things. That was enough for me to check it out. Right? So I had it checked out and it was true. They, okay. they, somebody was looking to try to kidnap one of my kids or something like that. Right. And I thought, okay, this is this is the life sentence I know that was, that was coming. I was trying to avoid it. I'm going to kill this person that's trying to... I know who it is. I know the head honcho who it is, right? Right. I took that very seriously, that threat, because that's the worst thing that could happen to you, isn't it? You know, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'd pay everything I had to have my kid back. Do you know what I mean? That's that's what you would do, wouldn't you? Yeah. But I thought, I need to nip this in the bud. So I waited for this guy one night, and I waited, I knew exactly where he lived, I waited in his hedgerow with a shotgun, and I was going to basically blow him through the arse, yeah? Yeah. And then laugh at him before I killed him. And so, it's like that, was it? Right, right. And, and hopefully nobody would know that I killed him as well, because I tried to cover my tracks, I never told anybody I was going to go and kill him. I think he would have enough enemies himself because he was mixed in that fraternity and prove it anyway. Do you know what I mean? It's a shotgun. It's not like a ballistic from a caliber, you know, yeah. pistol. Um, but I was going to kill him. Now, the only thing that saved him was he didn't turn up that night. He was on the doors. He didn't, didn't come home. Right. I was there now. Now we're talking five o'clock, 5.30 in the morning where it's coming daylight and you can see the, it's in a villagey kind of scenario and you can see the milkman dropping the milk off the doorsteps. It's time to come out of the hedgerow. Do you know what I mean? How long did you spend in the, in the hedge then? From uh, prior to, I know the club would have closed at two, so from about one in the morning till 5.30 come milkman time. That's a long time. I mean, I, I'm, I'm determined to kill him. Right. But I want to do it my way. Yeah. He didn't turn up. Now, that is for the grace of God, if there's such a thing, right? Because I know what my intent was. He didn't know I was there. It would have happened. For some reason, I don't know what, he must have found a bird that night or done something, but he didn't come home. That saved his life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. that's, that's I was amazing. ready to kill. Ready to kill. Anybody threatens my kids, I'll find them. If oh. I'll find them, I'll kill them. I, I don't can't. care. And I will laugh killing them. I'm not joking. Yeah, yeah. That's the part of me that I don't want to visit. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. I, I no. don't say anybody could. No. I think it's a horrible thing. I think thing. you have to take it out from the top, the top level. I would have gone for the other people I know, but that was the one that I wanted to deal with first. Yeah. And it's nothing to do with money. Do you know what I mean? Nothing to do with that whatsoever. That was a, a serious threat. So that turned out, you know, the newspaper, oh, Lee Ryan's frightened. He's hired an SAS man because he's getting scared. No, I'm going to prison. I'm, I'm safe. Was that's a safe? Yeah. That's the safest environment to be in for me, the prison. I've got none of those sort of um, activities that would kill me quickly, like drink, drugs, you know, driving fast vehicles, flying helicopters, which is dodgy in itself. It's a Meccano set. And all these other things that might kill me. I'm sort of cosseted in now, aren't I? Yeah. I worry about me. I've got this SAS guy, Scottish guy, um, and he's looking after my missus and kids, and I'm happy with that. How did you get in contact with him? Through a friend of a friend, actually. Okay. Yeah, a friend of a friend. And um, when he turned up, he was a lovely guy. He's about 60 then, but could, you could tell he, he's had his experience. He'd been to Borneo, he'd been to all these different places. We were discussing, you know. So I'm, I had about two weeks with him where he was staying at my house to sort of like break him in. And uh, we discussed what needed doing, and his son would come and help as well, who wasn't SAS, but it's his son, you know what I mean? And he knows the score. And the main thing for me was to get it into the media that that house is guarded. Right. And it was on front pages, all the SAS, Ryan, you know, whatever. That did that made me do my time easier yeah, than worry about them. Because, you know, some scumbag criminals, they will go and try and target the weaker. It's like in the Serengeti, isn't it? Yeah. You'll see the injured, the weaker thing, and that's what they target. No, that's not going to happen. So it cost X amount to have them there for that period, nine months. And you, so you played the media then? You knew how to do that? That had to be done. Why not yeah. play them like that? That had to be done. Th that threat was real, yeah? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, because because obviously I'd read about it and I thought. Yeah, no, that was absolutely true. Because you know, there's a lot of posturing. Unfortunately, you know, I'm not judging anyone in the crime world, but course, the, so many is. people will say, "Oh, I'll, I'll fuck you up, mate," or yeah, "I'll do this," yeah. or "I'll the, do that." Usually, but the people who you do the talking, knew it was real. The people who, yeah. yes, no, I know it was real because I know where it came from, right? And I know what they de- dealt in. I know there were gun right. merchants. I know there were drug merchants. I know right. they dealt in that. And if they couldn't do it, they would. They would certainly mix with. They'd be on the periphery, if not in the center, of those who would try and do that for whatever reason. They might do it. Yeah. They might have known I was a Family Guy, and I, I would have paid some money to. If, well, I haven't got any now, but if, in the day, yeah. I would have paid money to have the kid, um, you know, released. Yeah. But I certainly would have found out who did it and killed him afterwards. Yeah. For just for just the trauma of taking my kid. Yeah. You know what I mean, I mean, there's many ways I could think of making money, but I couldn't imagine myself kidnapping a child. You know. Nah. Nah. I, and I, holding that child to ransom for the. I couldn't imagine that. Nah. I don't so think. Many that's people... where you cross the line. But you have to then. That's 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 your thing. Where you have to stand on your own terms. And say I'm not having it. I'm not going to have it. So yeah. I, was, I was prepared to kill him and take him out of the game. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Thank God he didn't turn up. Yeah, yeah, because I never, I never wanted to go down that route. No. But that's what you'd have to do. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, that 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 makes sense. Yeah. And then, so tell me about how, how how the money went. I mean, like, how did it go? Oh, it goes it goes as quickly as it comes if you're not paying attention. But the point is, to me, it got like Bruce's millions because every time the missus, who's very canny with money, would make these investments, the money would accrue. Right. You see? And I'd be thinking, fuck, that's not the point. You know, we, we want to get rid of a bit, Karen, not have more. Do you know what I mean? Why get rid of it, though? I, it just had no interest for me once you've got it. Do you know what right. I mean? Okay. And I always saw that Basically, at the end of the day, that house that I painted, this big mansion house, I, I remember painting it myself. And, and while I was painting it, I was thinking, I could pay to have somebody do that, but they charge too much, 100000 to paint the bloody house. I'll do it myself. And when I was painting that, I was aware, I'm painting this for somebody else. It's not mine. Nothing is mine. Not even what I'm, this watch is not mine, these shoes are not mine. Nothing's mine. I don't own anything, really. Nothing. And, and possessions can possess you, you know. If you went to the hangar there, you'd see Ferraris, Bentleys and bits and bobs and three helicopters in the shed at one time or whatever. Yeah. But none of it was mine. None of it was real. Yeah. As strange as it might seem. So I just wanted... I, I know that money was a curse, the way it came. Now, it's not a curse necessarily for Karen and stuff like that. You know, they see it in a different thing. But I was just speaking of myself, how that came about. It, to me, it was a curse. It wasn't... Now I'd like to replicate it and do it again. But I'd still give money to people that I know. I know people that are need money now I would, that's to me the greatest joy would be to help them honestly and have a little sprinkle myself but I'll ne- never go down there own anything route again I would always lease it they say you know if it flies fucks or floats rent it you know I mean <laughs> yeah. I would never physically own anything again because I think I'm ready I'm sort of almost not not old but my mentality is I'm decluttering my not just my life but my mind as well ready for the next journey that I know is coming okay. which is far greater than this one but the money did go, though, didn't it? In my case, yeah, money money went. Um, yeah. And it went through a series of bad investments. But were they bad? I think I got to a point whereby I didn't care, to be honest with you. It was almost a way of frittering it away, but helping people out as it frittered, because people benefited from that, from sure. my loss. People okay. benefited, benefited from it. Yeah. And that's what people don't see when you win. If you have contractors around to do your house, to do your pool, to do your garden, to do things, people are actually benefited from that win, which is ironic that it was paid for by poor people largely, yeah. 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 So it's your money that funded me, if you know what yes, I mean. It's almost yeah. like a Ponzi scheme, and it would be considered a Ponzi scheme yeah. to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I don't, honestly, couldn't give a shit about it. And what were the investments that 
that you were deemed bad? Because I, I read that you went abroad and there was... Yeah, there was um, the mafia thing where they, they stole the fish. I had this idea, somebody put it to me, but when I looked at it, this fantastic lake where you could grow sturgeon, all kinds of different fish. And fish is, you know, expensive. Yeah. Good salmon and sturgeon, caviar and all that. Lot. Um, and it, I just didn't have my hands on the reins, you know, if you don't keep an eye on everything. But I didn't care. So so the mafia came and take, took all the fucking fish and took over the Sadko cages. Kyrgyzstan, okay. Central Asia. But I didn't care. Honestly, I don't care at all. That, to me, it's all that was an experience as well. Do you know what I mean? And I can't be robbed of something that I'm not involved in, if you know what I mean. It's, yeah. it's down to me. Everything's down to me. But even if I get back to the last pound, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm still richer for it, for, from the experience of it all. Yeah. Wow. God, I'm trying so, to get my head around having that much money and not caring. I don't care. I don't care. Didn't care then, really. I don't care now. Do you know what I mean? I don't hanker for anything necessarily. I think... Like I say, I'm preparing for the next voyage, which is far where you can't take anything with you. Do you know what I mean? We possess nothing. Not even our soul belongs to us. It's, it is what it is. And you said you said that you were homeless as well. Yeah. I spent five years homeless, albeit I, I could have a place to stay. I've got loads of people that have got places. Um, and they always said, if you want to stay, I didn't want anywhere. I didn't want to belong to anywhere. I wanted to be loose. I wanted to be just go into the elements and, and not have a plan. And no money as well. There was no way. I wasn't claiming anything. I wasn't working. I was doing nothing. Nothing. I would just survive on my wits. And uh, as I mentioned to you earlier, there was a little bit of creative shopping going on there. Do you know what I mean? Some yeah. things did fall into my pockets in the supermarket, but fuck them anyway. You know what I mean? <laughs> my need was food then, so... You did it for five years? Yeah, five years. It started off with the mainly with the Occupy movement because I came back into the country around 2010 yeah. when Occupy outside of St. Paul. So I went to have a look at what that was, the capitalism and all that kind okay. of stuff. I got into all that. And so that started off in the tent outside of St. Paul's, very, very cold in the winter. And um, and it carried on. I thought, do you know what? I quite like this. Just And so I'd go and explore parts of the country, but on foot and hitchhike and, and have no sort of nothing, no plans, no a toothbrush. That was it. And, yeah. and just see where it took me. And, and it's so liberating. It's unbelievable because I had none of the fears that the average Joe would have. I haven't got a mortgage, not got rent to pay, got no baggage around me, got no, nothing. Yeah, only the clothes I'm in, really, basically. And a backpack, that was my house. Was it, um, I don't know, did, did it feel good then to be able to just turn up and nobody knowing you? And yeah, just... absolutely. I mean, at one time I was trying to get to a certain place and it was, I had to go sort of like across a sort of like an airport perimeter thing. And if you sort of look at how the crow flies, I would more or less have to go all that way to get to Norfolk, for instance. Yeah. So I would try and do it across the fields. I don't care whose fields it was. I'm going that way as as near as the crow flies. And I remember there aren't police pulling up outside of Birmingham Airport or something like that. What are you doing on this boundary road? And blah blah blah. They couldn't understand that. He's got a backpack. He's got no plans. He's got no idea. He's got no, what the fuck? And these armed cops are like, "What are you doing?" I said, "What are you doing?" They're going going to stop the criminals going in and out of the airport. What the fuck? I'm I'm going about my business. I'm going. And they, you're weird. You are. It is what it is. Do you know what I mean? But to have no reason. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't care. And the people you'd meet on that journey, that all of a sudden would think, he, he don't give a shit. This guy's just, he ain't a homeless bum type of thing. Because I always tried to keep clean. If I go to a restroom, I'd, I'd look like this. Yeah. There's some dignity you can have. You don't have to be a dirty, scruffy, smelly bastard, right? Yeah. That's sometimes they put it on, you know, to feel sorry for them or whatever. Or they're just dirty, scruffy, smelly bastards. But I always tried to keep myself presentable within reason, you know? Yeah. But enjoy just observing and just going about and, and meeting people just by happenstance almost. And I'm guessing that people who are homeless uh, are 
the community, because there is a community, yeah. will yeah. be as diverse as prison, right? You'll get all sorts. Yeah, hundred percent. You got the you got the ones who definitely got roofs over their head, however that might be. But they're definitely and they're, they're the ones who sit outside the cash point areas and make you feel guilty when you go to take your money out of Sainsbury's. You know what I mean? Yeah. Excuse me, sir. You got, they might not even ask, but the fact they're sat there is almost intimidating. Imagine that to an old lady. Yeah. She she feels he's looking at the pin or uses two. You know, they feel obligated to give money. I can't stand those fuckers. Yeah. Those ones and and then. Then they've got the druggy ones that you're you're funding their habit technically. You could you could give them hundred pounds today, hundred pounds tomorrow, hundred pounds next. Every time you saw him, you could give him hundred pound. It's not going to stop his drug habit. Do you know what I mean? It's actually going to exacerbate it. Yeah. And so you could you th- that's basically you can't feed them, can you? Think about it. And if you give them a sandwich, they don't want a fucking sandwich. Do you know what I mean? They don't care. I've had ten sandwiches today. I've got what have I got? I've got salmon, tuna. But they don't give a fuck. They want money for the drugs and that. The ones who really are in need are the ones who will never ask. You'll see them sitting not by a cash point. They'll sit there quietly somewhere, minding their own business. They'll never ask you. You might have to perceive that they need some help. Okay. That's the ones. And they're the ones I love to help. And they're the ones I, I got the, the best thingy from, the, the best interaction from. And, and I took some in. When I, when I found my own place where I could say it's my own place, it's rented, yeah. um, I would then try and find people that I could... It looks fairly clean that I could take in that didn't have drug habits, if you know what I mean, which is quite rare. But um, I've done it a few times. Yeah, take them in and and get them, and then try to get them housed after that. But but the fact that you're sat there and you, you don't, and people come by and they, you know, I remember at the Occupy thing and some pinstripe guy in the city, you know, Liverpool Street area, coming by, get a job. I said, mate, come here a minute, come, you know, come here. I said, he sat down with us with his. I'm on the way to work. I said, yeah, but have you got a mortgage? He said, yeah. I said, how much you? Oh, I don't know, fucking about 250 grand. I said, and you're telling me to get a job? You're in fucking debt to 250 grand, mate. That's negative equity. I've got no debt. And you're telling me to get a job. Don't you see the irony in that? You've been fucking had, mate. Mortgage, death grip. That's what it really means. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Okay. You've been had. And he walked away with a different sort of idea of what it was all about. The bankers have fucked us. Yeah? And this is all linked to the money aspect of it all. It's... They basically put a noose round our necks. That's what the tie is. It's a noose. It signifies a noose. And that's what it is, because you're forever having to pay this debt. Why should, why should we have to pay for anything? Why can't we pick a piece of land? That's mine. I'll put my little uh, stead on there. That's how it should be. Yeah. In fact, if there was no money, we'd all be rich, wouldn't we? Yeah, I guess I guess th- there's more important things yeah. than money, for sure. Yeah. So I saw all that, and I, got, I was privileged in some ways to see all that, but to also see the other aspects of it. I don't see that I was the person doing the time or doing the crime. I stood outside myself. I didn't. That wasn't me. Right. <laughs> That's yeah. what I said. I, that wasn't me doing it for some reason. That's not who I am. But I could never ever go back into that kind of thing. But I just saw it as an experience. But I wasn't actually the person, the main person in that thing. I stood outside myself doing it, and the experiences have not done me any harm. I do regret some things, of course, but you can't take it back. No. But I'm not here to harm anybody now, I and think- I could never revert back to that. I think I'd, I'd almost like to have seen you with homeless people standing up for them like that because they, it's All a community the time. that All doesn't... Always they don't have an opportunity underdog. to do that. That always was to blow people's minds. I see when you get the PCSOs who've got no real law, the plastic police, when they go up and demand somebody's ID just because they're sat there in the doorway, got nowhere else to live. I go up to them and say, listen, mate, Firstly, you're not a policeman. You can't demand anything off them. You can't arrest them for a start, right? Um, and, and if he's committed no crime, you can't be asking for his identity. And they try and, the fact they've got this uniform on, try and, you know, impose themselves on these poor homeless people that don't have a voice. They, they, they're, they're timid. They're, they've had the life knocked out of them. Bear in mind, I enjoyed my homelessness because 
I know I could get a place if I needed to get it, right? right. But it's not what I wanted. These people are probably beyond that help. They're, in fact, some people don't even want the place, but they certainly don't want to be mithered by a PCSO that's a fucking plastic cop, yeah? And I would tell them, jog on. And I would even say to the uh, homeless person, tell him to fuck off. He's got no thingy over you. And yet there they are trying to move somebody on who's in the doorway. Well, are serious? Shouldn't you be trying to help them get a place? You know what I mean? Because yeah. there are people that need help. Um, so, yeah, I was always happy about helping and still am now to this day. If I see anybody ganging up on them, I'm <laughs> I'm on it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, and I used to like to help female ones because they're more vulnerable. But there's a, you know, with mental health issues as well, you have to be careful. I did take one in, but um, I had it for about three months or so. But you, you don't know their mindset and their mentality and all that kind of stuff. Can you imagine? So some people are very fragile. They're there for a reason. There's usually all kinds of sort of sexual reasons why they're there as well. And, and maybe battery at home by their husband or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they're very fragile characters anyway. So I would now think twice about bringing somebody into my flat, for instance, that was female. It's, it's much more difficult. I'm not, ex I'm not an expert in this kind of thing. But if they needed help in some way, shape or form, I would try and help. And you still play the lottery now? Yeah, I, I know I'm going to win it again. And I've been very close to winning it. I said to you that I missed the 100 million by one number, euro yeah, millions. Absolutely. 100 million. Okay. Um, and it's not now the case of winning it to say, oh, yeah, I'd buy a mansion back and have another helicopter. No, I've done that, been there. I would help as many people as I know that need help now. Right. And, and sad, sad as money is, I told you it's all an illusion anyway. But unfortunately, that's a tool we've got for now, you know, yes. to deal with these things. And there's lots of people I, I would love to help out. But I know I'm going to win it again. I don't know how much, I don't know when. That's something we're not in control of. But I do know I've got, you know, it will happen. And I'll be able to do all these things. I mean, when I was sort of homeless, I was like, I used to go to Richmond, um, um, the vineyard in Richmond and different shelters and stuff like that. And I, I would see the people that were helping the people out that are homeless that I would help out who themselves are not wealthy. Do you know what I mean? And so all these little things where, you know, it might not be financially, it might just be like a kind of gift that you give them or something to help them out that they weren't expecting. Well, that's lovely, isn't it, when it comes out of the blue like that? Yeah, of course it is. Because sometimes in my life now, whatever I need comes and it's the right amount that I need to deal with it. So I don't have any worries about money and stuff like that at all. Whatever, when I need something, I can either use my hands or it will come in some other way. God. So I don't have that fear. I lost it all, all that kind of... I don't worry about that. Not afraid of anything like that? Well, not really. No, I want to thought so. No, I'm not afraid, certainly not to die or anything like that. No, not at all. Um, I think, if anything, I'm afraid um, to live in this sort of mortal life with all the shit that's really going on behind the scenes that people are probably not privy to. There's, there's some very, very dark things going on as we speak. I mean, anybody can do their own research, you know what I mean? What plan... I mean, this is a, is it a silly question to ask what plans you have for the future, because you've got a lot... You have a lot more life left, though. Well, and you, you don't have know that, do you? You well, don't know. But, but potentially... You don't know that. I know that it's... I, I know in my own mind yeah. that it's eternal. Yeah, I know okay. that I know that from experience and talking to people that have had these experiences and had yeah. visitations from people that have passed on. I know, and you could ask to any anybody in palliative care or any nursing thing, and there are people that will tell you about how their souls have moved on and how they've left the body, and they, yeah. they even see people waiting for them in the waiting room that you can't see. Some people yeah. can see it more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know this is nothing compared to what's next. Absolutely nothing. This is the shit end of the wedge, the mortal side of it. The cruelty we inflict on each other, myself included, the cruelty to animals, the cruelty to children, the cruelty per se of this world is is phenomenal. It makes me despair. And my mum used to say, when or when you were born, um, you didn't want to live. You were a healthy baby, but 
you didn't want to eat. You didn't want to suckle. You wouldn't eat. She had to give me to her friend who force fed me, basically. Yeah. And when I look back, I wonder, probably that's why. Do you know what I mean? And there's some beautiful parts of this life, some beautiful people, some beautiful elements to it. The world is a beautiful place. It's spoiled by humans, basically. Yeah. We, no, we spoil it. When my time comes, when it, you know, we don't know when that is, but when it does come, I hope I do have time to say thank fuck, to be honest with you. I'm not fatalistic in that regard. I just want to go on to the next level where we don't have that physical aspect of harming anybody whatsoever or anything. That we're just sense. the spirit world whereby you can't harm. There's no harm to be done. But I think this is the test bed for what comes, you know what I mean? And how we, it's a test per se. That's but I am a bit tired of it, to be fair. Do you know what I mean? I we think I've seen tired. enough of what I want to see. We all get tired. Mm. And yet you would still take in a homeless person if they asked you. 100% because to me, that's the thing that gladdens me the most. It's the things that you don't want any praise for. Um, you don't want anything back for. It's, that's, I think, essentially, that's what we are. That's what we should be, isn't it? Yeah. And so I'm happy. In, and everybody works on themselves. I work on myself. And it's our own journey. I could be with you on, on an adventure, but it's still you independently having that experience whether we shared that or not it's still your journey as well do you know what I mean yeah. and it's all about us at the end of the day when people say yeah life's all about yeah it is all about me actually I'm the good and the bad I'm the, the god and the devil all in one we have that you know in us yeah. and I'm happy that I've worked on myself to a degree whereby nobody's perfect I'll never be perfect but I'm as close to knowing myself and, and figuring things out as I've ever been and that makes me the happiest to be honest with you Seriously, yeah. it's not about money. If I get a few quid tomorrow, great. If I don't, great. I'll survive. I won't not survive it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I I get more pleasure out of helping people somehow. That's amazing. I love it. That is amazing. That's all I need. That's perfect. That's perfect for me. Well, come on, mate. <laughs> well, let me stop it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. You know, I really do appreciate your support. I have some great things coming up. I spoke to Frank Portinari. He was really, really interesting. I also did an interview with Freddie Foreman, who is considered to be the godfather of British crime. I was very lucky to meet him. And I will be doing another series with Dave Courtney and Brendan, just because they're so funny and they have an endless supply of stories that, that are just great. So Thank you very much, and I will speak to you again soon. Bye for now.